2: What's going on, grappling fans? Who's the person who's going to pretend mentally in
0: the game? the mentally Or pretty close. <gasps> <gasps>
2: Hey, what's going on, Grappling fans? Welcome back to another episode of Who's Number One. Hope you're having a great week as we are speeding right on through. Uh, today's guest is, is one of my favorite personalities in the sport. and uh, No longer a rookie, but had a fantastic rookie season at Black Belt and definitely uh, turned a lot of heads. I'm talking about Levi Jones Leary, calling in all the way down from Australia. Levi, how's it going, man? How are you today?
1: Good. Thanks so much for, for having me on. It's such a pleasure to be on here with you guys.
2: So I think this is definitely... No, it's not not even true at all. We had Lachlan and Livia on. I was going to say the first Australian we've had on
3: since COVID. But Second Australian. What time is it there right now?
1: It is 7 a.m. Oh, Oh, you're up
2: early for us. I'm sorry. Thanks for getting up early for us. (laughs) (laughs) This is literally like the first time I've woken up before like 12 p.m. Oh, man. Well, you're doing great. You look wide awake. So
1: appreciate that. How how far? It's actually really nice.
3: How close like are you guys it. in time to to New Zealand cuz we have the style bender coming on the other show tonight and he's in New Zealand. This has been been interesting trying to schedule you guys. Is it like the same time? I,
1: I think it, I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, it would be similar. But pretty close, maybe
1: an hour or two difference.
2: Might be ahead, right? It's east. I don't know. But um
1: yeah, they're like in the future.
3: <laughs> yeah, a little, you guys are you're in the future right now. Uh you're calling the past right now actually. Uh Yeah. So what are you doing these days? How are you killing time? Last time I talked to you, I did a Skype interview with you when you were in uh, New York. Since then, well, what ended up happening that you left New York to go back to Australia? Talk about that situation a little bit.
1: Yeah, so I guess like I talked with you literally like just a few days before I left. and um, You were loving it. You said you were skateboarding like, in a
3: dystopian future or something like that. A few like days after,
1: yeah. after the gym closed and everything like that, so... Uh, pretty much everything just happened really fast. Like one day we were training for pans. Everything was totally normal. And then it was like my birthday and I went to training that day thinking I was going to have a normal training day, it being my birthday. And, um, Marillo basically gave us the rundown of the situation and told us that the gym was going to close. And, um, this was even before it started, started like getting actually serious in New York. He, um, he took measures, like, a bit early. And, yeah, then after that, everything just got, you know, really intense, obviously, pretty quickly. Um, I knew everything was going to be fucked when I went to go get, like, a uh, a bagel from this bodega. And the guy handed me, and a coffee, an iced coffee. And the guy handed me the straw out of the tip jar. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're all fucked. <laughs> I got to get the hell out of here.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and then, yeah, she just started getting really, really intense. And, and my mum basically called me up one morning and was like, look, I want you just to come home because, you know, you just don't want to, I don't want you to be there for like the amount of suffering that's about to take place in that city. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. And I just basically hopped on a plane that day just to, like, give her peace of mind. And then since then, I I got back here and I I had to do, like, 14 days quarantine. So, like, you have to stay when you get back to Australia, you have to stay in a hotel for 14 days and not leave. Um, Or just in quarantine for 14 days. So I did that. And then since then, I've literally just been... Like, at home, skating and playing PlayStation and watching, like, ridiculous amounts of anime. What um, anime are you watching? Right now I'm watching My Hero Academia.
3: Alright, I've never checked that one out.
1: Before that, I watched Demon Slayer. I don't know. It's It, that, it, it makes me feel like my brain's doing something because I have to read the subtitles. <laughs> so I don't feel like a mindless, like, zombie yep. the entire day. Is Demon um, Slayer
3: the one where the guy's, like sister or brother turns into a a demon and he's that is that it yeah i watched the the first episode before so uh what what was the travel back like like that's a really long flight back to australia from new york uh what were the airports like like was was the plane empty what what was that situation like
1: so the only worrying thing the whole time was um uh the the two possible scenarios of, of my health were, were bad because either a I had coronavirus and I was potentially putting other people's lives at risk or b I didn't have it yet and there was a high risk I would catch it on the flight home um so that was the only kind of thing that was bad about the flight home uh, apart from that it was like the best flight I've ever had anywhere yeah. because it was I brought it the day of it was five hundred dollars, and I flew business wow. class.
3: What?
2: <laughs> That's incredible! <laughs> five
3: hundred dollars business class <laughs> to Australia. Yeah, and I spend five hundred dollars to fly from Texas to Las Vegas sometimes. Uh,
2: Not first class. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're in the back uh, of that bus.
3: So, how many people That's are on the there? Was it flight. empty or what?
1: There was, it was empty. It was empty. So the first the first flight um, from New York to LA was actually domestic. But I had like the whole row to myself. Obviously, there was like two other people on the plane, and then from uh, from LA to Sydney, I had I had a business class seat, so I was just like chilling, lying down. One old lady like <laughs> got on the plane, and then she like coughed a few times, and they kicked her off.
3: Get out! <gasps> oh no! Oh, my
1: yeah, that sounds bad awful.
3: For her. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty wild. Cause you, there's a lot of reasons you can be coughing besides having COVID. Like, we, I, I cough every day. She I coughs like I've I, I not looking at him
2: sideways like, a little know. bit when he coughs in here. I gotta say.
3: Uh, <laughs> did you mask up for the entire trip? You have a mask with you?
2: Yeah, Marilla gave me like a like a
1: like a supply thing, mask and sanitizer and everything.
2: So um we're now several weeks into this. What is the situation like in Australia? You know, I, I really haven't been following it. Have cases been dropping? Are gyms talking about reopening? You know, are you guys looking ahead yet?
1: So yeah, I think I think uh they're definitely looking now at reopening because uh the, the curve was flattening um at like not a very it wasn't a very high curve as well, like they I think they predicted it was gonna be it was gonna be um a lot bigger, but the cases just didn't go up. Um, so they're they're thinking about reopening now. Um I'm not sure what that would look like in terms of like when Jiu Jitsu gyms would reopen because um what I've from what I've heard they're gonna be opening in phases, like with restaurants and stuff like that. Um mm-hmm. opening first and then some retail. And then, like, the last thing that would open would be the jiu-jitsu gym. So I'm not sure exactly when that will be. Now, like, that the numbers haven't really been going up at all, I'm going to look to start uh, getting, like, a small group to train with here. Um, Same kind of thing we're doing in New York, just so I can, like, start preparing for, for, like, upcoming things again. Because I think things are about to start happening again in the jiu-jitsu world at least in terms of super fights and stuff
2: yeah shows are slowly starting to come back um i don't know if i can release any of that yet but i do know that the world pro put out a press release uh saying they're targeting november as when they want to run 2020 world pro in abu dhabi um some other shows are doing stuff too is is the is yeah the korea show announced yeah. is that out there Spider? yeah
3: yeah they announced like a, a purple and brown bow. that's right that's right so uh, spider's
2: yeah. coming back which is pretty exciting so I I'm I'm just hyped to start yeah. looking at events in the future like like doing some previews. I've been doing so many recaps and and greatest hits and things like that, man. I'm looking forward to some new matches.
3: Yeah, I heard some <laughs> rumbling, Fight to Win,
2: Seth's always up yeah. to something.
3: He'll, he'll be one of the first people out there.
2: Would you jump back in as soon as things came back around Levi, if the of course the situation made sense? Yeah. Yeah, I
1: think I, I think I definitely would. Um I got in fi- invited to do a super fight in um at Spider in July. So I'm thinking um, that's kind of like the next, you know, kind of crosshair for me.
3: That'd be an easier one for you to do too, as opposed to going all the way back to the USA. I mean, I'd imagine Korea's got to be a little bit closer, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they're a bit closer. It's still that it's still that 14-day quarantine thing, though. So hopefully, um, that is passed by then. It could be, um, but to be honest, I'm yeah. I'm looking to come back to to, to the United States as soon as things are, you know, feasible. Like, as soon as it's like possible for me to do that. So when
3: you did your 14 day quarantine, you were in a hotel the entire time, correct?
2: Yeah. It's
3: a little bit different. We had Lachlan on, and he was in uh, in his house. So what did you do to? Were you allowed to leave the hotel room, or were you was in your room the whole time? No. You had to stay yeah, I'm in, in the, the hotel room. room the
1: whole time. That sounds um, pretty rough, man. Just bring things to
2: the, to the room. I so saw you were yeah. skateboarding
3: yeah, was... inside your hotel room at one
1: point. <laughs> yeah.
2: Did you start yeah, getting a little weird. loopy? I mean, I feel like by day six or seven, I don't know, I, I would be climbing at the walls. Yeah, it was totally
1: just insane. Just completely insane.
3: You allowed to have visitors or no?
1: That would I feel like that no, would defeat not... the purpose. <laughs> yeah, this is like being in jail. I didn't see I didn't s yeah. literally didn't see another human. Oh man. And I was you... clouding my brain with so much Call of Duty. It was, like, so much violence. <laughs> it was, like, so
2: unhealthy. <laughs> what did you do when you first got out? What was the first thing that you did that day? I went for a skate and I went for a swim.
1: Nice. Sounds appropriate. It was really nice. All right,
3: yeah, it so was really nice. what about uh, – are you doing anything jujitsu wise or are you doing any, like – strength and conditioning you doing anything like that right now or
1: so i got maths and i've just been like solo drilling a bunch um and then apart from that nothing nothing at all um uh i've just been skating and that's kind of it like i'm just waiting for my opportunity to start training again with with other people
3: how far do you uh, live Personal from your 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 biggest fan, uh, Varun? Where's, where <laughs> does Varun, the president of the Levi fan club, how far does he live from you?
1: Oh, he's about he's not far. He's about twenty minutes away. You
3: gotta go break that guy out. Get him to come drill with you.
1: Yeah. So, yeah his 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 parents are kind of like high risk, so that they're, they're really worried about him um about him going anywhere, but. Since the numbers have been have been low, I, I think I'm going to recruit him into my small group. There you go. Nice. Um,
3: Start again. Yeah,
1: for sure. For sure, being in a small group.
3: Something before – I wanted to get into sort of your uh, your history with jujitsu, how you started and everything. Uh, sort of interesting story, but before we go there, Braulio's question for you sort of related to this, so I was going to have Kyle cue that up and, and play it for you. Uh, if you want to do that, Kyle, go ahead.
0: The, com- the first thing that comes down to my mind right now is like
3: oh no we lost his audio keeping his hair color in the quarantine <laughs> can we start
0: that the, com- the first thing that comes down to my mind right now is like how he's keeping the color of his hair in the quarantine
3: that's not the question I was talking about he has another
0: question <laughs> my okay.
3: how-, how, he- how he's keeping his hair color in the quarantine
0: <laughs> well, yeah. this is, this is natural he, he wears a, little... a white one right yeah yeah, yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how he looks like in the blacker. <laughs> All right,
3: you want to know no, what he I, looks
0: like? No, but that's that's the fun one, like the milk one. But okay. I, the question um, that I would like to ask is that uh, who he got inspired? Uh, you know, because he what, is one of the stars that came up out of Australia. Uh, uh, you know, Australia is pretty new in, 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 in jiu-jitsu. You know, did he inspire? Uh, in what who inspires him to? To drive him to to be such a big star and how he's coping with it, how's the responsibility that he's taking out of that? The reason that, the, the reason that I'm asking is because uh, I'm sure that he is the first generation. Him and Greg Jones is doing kid they did well, but it, 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 he come like the new generation, the new mom, you know. And um, most times when you come on out from a far away from the center of the of of, of the jiu-jitsu. you know, you, you usually you grow up listening and hearing that it's, it's impossible to to do it because it was so far away. That's how I grew up listening to, and I would like to know how is the how does it feel that it become one of the, you know, representative of this uh, so well the country so far away from the mecca of jiu-jitsu and who he inspires by. I mean, his uh,
3: situation. Right, so was- there was a few questions in there. One of them is about you dyeing your hair or something I don't really understand it but uh, the uh, the main one was who inspired you when you were coming up in Jiu Jitsu in Australia it is a good question because you were coming up in Australia yeah. away from all the Jiu Jitsu hotspots who did you look up to at that <clears> point <throat>
1: don't
2: skip okay, the hair the question Michael who
1: inspired me <laughs> for the hair was, was Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer
2: um, I'm going to look that up right I still now. haven't watched it yet we were talking about this but up, I, I, I got to put it
1: on Spike, so. so yeah it's it's the best show ever made. It, like, <laughs> I think Spike. that show created me as a person. Really? Um. But anyway, yeah, I I'm just, looking at Spike I, right I now it, on Mike's like, laptop. I, I see, I see it, I see as it. As a child, yeah. like growing up, it was, it was like, it filled the void of like religion for me as a as a kid in terms of like, like creating like a moral compass and stuff. But um, to answer Brolio's question, um. <laughs> Uh, obviously I was inspired a lot by like the Meow brothers. I was inspired a lot by Keenan Keenan and, and the Meow brothers. Um, those were probably my two biggest um sources of inspiration. I'd add Leandro Lowe in there as well. Like those three those three um or those, those four, four people I should yeah. say. Yeah. Um and yeah, they were definitely my biggest sources of inspiration and then also like in terms of Australian inspiration it was kit dale nice because he was he was the first australian that was like actually made a splash in 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 the international jiu-jitsu world you know and um he he lived in he lived in melbourne and i i i was when i was a white belt i was always messaging him and i'd be like hey can i come down and train he'd, he'd always be super open and and um you know i I'd, I'd go down there and and basically clean the mats and teach the kids classes and and, and train for free when I was like oh uh, when I just got my blue belt wow um so yeah he he was definitely a big a big inspiration for me um what was the other question you had in there? yeah
2: the, uh, the last Thanks bit so of welcome. that was uh, was uh the the last bit was he asked how did it feel to represent your country okay. you know you've kind of become one of the one of the leading figures from Australia in jiu-jitsu and you know, does that does that feel important yeah. to you? Yeah, so first, like, obviously,
1: everybody was obviously saying, like, what I was doing was ridiculous, because it kind of, it was, like, if you looked at, at everything kind of from a rational perspective, like, I was just kind of leaving school to do jiu-jitsu and train all day when nobody from Sydney had, like, ever turn that into a professional career, like as an as an athlete really. So I, I had like a lot of people telling me what I was doing was like was like wrong and like wasn't the right decision. Um but like that kind of just drove me to 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 wanna have it more and to prove those people wrong. Um but now being in this position, like I obviously feel like I feel really proud and I feel, like, really grateful that I'm I'm able to help other, like, kids with a similar dream now, like, get to where they want to be.
3: Amazing. Yeah, it's got to be uh, interesting. Obviously, you spent a lot of time in New York, but it's, like, for you guys coming up, it's, I mean, you literally have to travel all the way across the, the world to go do Panzer World. It's, like, it's, it's a big financial investment. It's uh, It's a hell of a journey. Like, that's got to be... It's going to be difficult, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, there's, there's some, man, it's a lot of tough times, you know, but like, I'm sure like every individual person that wants to like make it with their goal, if it's like a, whatever their goal is, like, it's, it's, if especially if it's like becoming a Black Bowl champion, it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy, you know? But, um, that's what's, that's what's that's what's fun about it, i guess is is the challenge and it's, for it's sure a, it's a big challenge you know
3: so you've told this to me before i wanted to go way back now uh and talk about uh what got you into jiu-jitsu how did you start training jiu-jitsu
1: so in school i was like one of the naughty kids <laughs> like i just have like i've i have like ad ad when you say Not naughty ADD, kids ADD, what, ADD, what, what kind of stuff
3: what kind of stuff was a young levi up to that he was a naughty kid what what were you doing?
1: Um, just like smoking cigarettes, spraying it, fire extinguishers through the classroom window. Jeez, hardcore um, watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just pretty much never attending school and just, just being, just being like annoying. <laughs> 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 did,
2: did you fight much? Did, no you an, did you have Did you Did you get? Uh, you know, act Breaking out like that. Things. Pardon? Did you fight much? Did you get into some fights? no I was
1: never I was never a violent person like I I was in like one fight as a
2: kid so it was mischief um, then mostly mischief
1: yeah mostly breaking things you know I like to vandalize um that was one of my favorites <laughs> um <laughs> and uh I just I always, I always just want to be like say something funny or do something to the teacher you know um unless the teacher was really nice then I wouldn't but if they gave me some reason, I would always I would always enjoy that. One, once I got accused of being a masochist, and then I took that to the principal and um, got the teacher in trouble because I, I said it made me feel uncomfortable that he called me a
2: masochist. <laughs> So, um, you, so you got locked in, or, or lock, uh, allotted in, with these these bad kids, yeah, these troublesome kids. Sorry, sorry, I went completely <laughs> off subject. Your question. Um, no, it's good. So, it's good to hear exactly oh, what was going reason, on. Reason, I
3: like reason. hearing about your days as a masochist. Right, sorry, <laughs>
1: yeah, re- Okay, so what they did was they put all the the naughty kids in a in a program called uh, Links to Links to Links to Learning, and they have about like six kids from or like ten kids from 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 grade nine. And they do that, like, that's, that's the only people that are in the entire program in the school. And um, I was in that program, and they basically, what the program would do is they just take you out of school one day to do, like, a different activity every Thursday. And one day we went and did MMA. And um, I just had, like, a great time with my friends. And then after that, like, I found the MMA gym. And I just started going there, and I got really inspired. And um, because I wasn't really doing school at all, I just decided, like, um, I wasn't going to go there, and I was just going to go to the gym. And then I started doing jiu-jitsu. I did my first jiu-jitsu comp. And then I was like, I just wanted to do jiu-jitsu, so I went to a jiu-jitsu gym, and I was just training, like, full-time there. And I was, like, so inspired at the time by by the the kind of modern um the the modern thing that was being like pushed a lot. Like the cool thing in jiu-jitsu at the time around the year 20, 2012, was like was like that grinding kind of like hard work mentality that was being um portrayed so much by uh Keenan at Lloyd Irvin's and um the Meow brothers at Cicero Costa, you know, and they were really um, big, like embodiments for me of what uh, could happen to you if you if you worked really hard, like how you could achieve all your goals. So that's the reason I was inspired so much by those guys. Was 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 not even like obviously their jiu-jitsu um, was amazing, but it was it was more actually about the 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 hard the hard work and, and where it could get you because I, I never actually knew that like I never knew that um, you could you could achieve like what you wanted if you could if you just put in the time and effort you know and jiu-jitsu kind of taught uh, taught me that and and those people in particular kind of taught me that
2: were you uh were you alone in this passion and passion in this, this pursuit you know it's it's really hard to get a jiu-jitsu by yourself and not everyone is as dedicated that can be off-putting for a lot of people uh who was with you on this journey anybody that, that that helped you along the way or were you just kind of trained anybody who would who'd be willing to do it?
1: yeah that was a thing it, it it was it was lonely to be honest like' cause, um when I decided to make that decision um i had to i had to leave um i had to let go of a lot of things you know and one of those things I had to let go was uh, was was friends. You know like all my all my all my friends i kind of um i i i kind of lost contact with all of them you know because i was so i was so committed just to attaining this goal, which just kind of arised out of nowhere to be honest um that uh yeah i there was times like where I actually struggled with that a lot like f- like feeling lonely, but I had like my family and they were super supportive um so yeah that's why that's why like I feel so grateful now like meeting more people like on the same journey as me you know now I don't have that problem anymore now I feel like more connected and and uh, more grateful for like the friendships I have than than ever but um yeah it was it was a struggle at the time
3: when uh at, at what belt did you start competing white belt how did you do your first time you remember
1: I got, like, submitted by this kid with a beard.
3: Some grown man. With terrifying. A beard. <laughs> I remember we, ta- we talked about this a little bit
2: uh, almost right around a year ago. But it's a funny story, right? Did, did you end up facing him again? I, I forget. But he was, like, locked in your mind, right? You had a, a target on this guy for a while or something like that. Is that how the story yeah, he, goes? He, 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 like, just completely
1: disappeared after he beat me twice at White Belt.
3: You're tired on top. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then, how, when did you start having success with uh with competition? Did you compete a lot at White Belt, or did you just do a couple times, or?
1: Since I started training, I haven't like I've just been competing, and I haven't had I haven't stopped. This is the longest break I've like had since I started. Then, um, but like yeah, I was I was just competing all the time and training like all the time, like from White Belt after watching those the Meow Brother videos and the Keenan videos and stuff, I was like, I thought like, I just would train all day, you know, so, um, like I was taking it seriously from white belt, just competing all the time. But I didn't start winning competitions until, until until blue belt, um, which was about like a year after that, in Australia, I was, in Australia I was winning competitions Um, sometimes I'd lose, but, uh, when I'd leave the country and fight overseas, I, I was always losing.
3: What was your first international competition?
1: So my first international comp was, uh, 2014. I fought juvenile blue belt at worlds and, um, I actually lost to, I won my first fight, and then I lost to um, Joao Mendes.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know yeah.
1: Joao Mendes okay. from Alta?
3: Featherweight in Altos. Yeah. Real good.
1: Yeah. So he still played that like dirty. He still had that like awesome um, collar sleeve game, which he plays on like the other side to ha- to most people play, and he triangled me like instantly with that.
2: Mm. How did that feel? I mean, um, you were you were uh, you know all the way across the world. Had won a match, which probably felt amazing, just to I don't know bomb out kind of in just an unspectacular fashion. That must have been pretty devastating.
1: It was a wake up call. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm yeah super grateful for it because yeah it was a it was a it was a giant wake up call and um I'm, I'm I was really grateful I got to to compete against somebody so good, you know, um because. Yeah, he was like just destroying everybody that year. Like he went on to win the open weight back when the open weight divisions were combined in the juvenile class. It was just one open weight. Okay. Um, and he won that both juvenile years. He won weight division and open weight. Amazing. So he was like the juvenile, the juvenile king at the time.
3: Young Joel Mendez was a monster.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So it just it just gave me a lot of motivation, and it, it um, after that I, I I set up a plan like a different training schedule plan like with like more drilling in it and um more study and and i i put that plan into into progress and started going from there
3: did it sort of open your eyes up like when you got back to australia i remember the first time i went and did pans as a blue belt as well and i went back to chicago and it was like a different level than i was used to and it really was like motivation right like like oh wow there's it's like something completely new like something new to train for right
1: yeah yeah i'd always Literally every time i I'd, I'd gone to Worlds, I'd I'd always leave Worlds with such. I'm sure you feel the exact same way. Yet. You leave Worlds with such an extreme like motivation and like gratitude for the sport. You know, because it's just such a it's such a um, it's such a inspiring thing that that event just to see all those people and and to see so many dreams come true in in, in one day. It's a it's a pretty magical thing. So. You definitely leave there with a different perspective.
3: So what was the first uh, big international tournament that you had uh, success at, that you won at?
1: So I think it was Nogi Pants. Like when I first went to New York, everything started to make sense. Um, So I got a job uh, delivering furniture here. I saved up money and I had a plan to go to New York and, and and train for as long as I could. My visa was only gonna let me stay for three months, so I just saved up enough for that. And um, I just, I got there, and then like two days after I arrived, I I had no gi pants to compete at, and I won that. And that was like the first kind of big tournament, or tournament overseas that I ever won. That was like, I just got my purple belt, I think, um, in 2015. Um, and Marilla was also there and he was kind of like, that was like when I probably like first actually met him. He was like, Oh, come to the open mat tomorrow. And he kind of saw, um, saw that I was like serious that day, you know? And, um, yeah, that was when everything kind of started in terms so of like
2: you had my life. You mentioned the Meows were a major inspiration. Did you go to New York knowing they were there to train with them, or what was the plan? Because you, you hadn't met Murillo until uh, that first competition. Where were you training, or what was the situation before?
1: So before that, I was training. I would go, and I would train before any major. I would go to Cabrini's, and I would train there. Um, but that was that was just before any major, and yeah. Shout out to him, for sure, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great coach. Um, really, really great coach. But uh so yeah, Unity opened in twenty fifteen and I'd always wanted to to live in New York. Like I don't know why. I've just always felt like I've wanted to be there. I've I lived there until I was until I was uh four years old with my mom when I was a kid. Um and uh we had to leave because of a crazy stalker. But that's a story for another time. Um but uh I always wanted to go to New York. And when I saw it, there was like a video that Unity posted that they were going to open. And the Meow Brothers were going to be there. And Marua was going to be, be there. Um, I just thought it was like fate. You know, it was like destiny. It was meant to be. I had to be there no matter what. So as soon as I found that information out, like I was doing everything in my power. I actually have this that's actually really fun. so this is um, what Anna and so, Marillo gave me the day I got my black belt
3: I took that photo I th- I'm pretty sure that's my photo from back in the day is this your photo yeah is that uh, that's from your when you won brown belt world oh yeah it's got the little flow grappling yeah. tag on yeah, the bottom yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so cool I that's amazing yeah, yeah.
1: so this is this is they gave me this that's the day dope. I got my black belt and this is the first email I ever sent them like with me explaining like how bad I want to come over there
2: oh and, dude that's and, so um, cool
1: Awesome. And come and train, and it's like it's just me kind of going like full fan girl, like <laughs> like I can't wait to come over. It's my dream. I'm gonna do everything I can to get there. And then Anna replying with like this really nice message. I love this thing so much. Shout out to Meru so and Anna. Bit. Great people. But, um, yeah. So the meows are there. I got there, and the first day I literally walked in the first ever day, and my first role was like Paula, and then my second role was Joao, and I was just like
3: was this the pro training everything
1: just felt so right you know yeah it was the pro training but it was like the day before nogi pants like i arrived in new york the day before Mm -hmm. nogi pants so um it was pretty chill how did those rounds go uh you must have been blown away a little bit right I mean,
3: those are some intense roles joao and paulo how how did it go your first time you roll with them
1: it wasn't intense they just they just easily fucked me up really bad (laughs) yeah it wasn't it wasn't intense
2: that must have, I, was, I mean like a life started. achievement right i mean you've looked up to these guys for so long they'd inspired you for years and years and here they are sharing the mat with you that that must have just felt amazing oh
1: it was it was incredible you know and um what happened like what continued on from there was just you know had me pinching myself every day you know so how, yeah, how many stoked. times
3: how many times you think you've rolled with Marillo over the years now
1: hundreds more Marillo yeah, and- a lot. Some days yeah. I roll with him. I would roll with him every every day, at least one round. Some days I'd roll with him like four rounds.
2: <laughs> yeah, you roll with him, I-, I think, for four or five rounds when we were there on that Road to Worlds uh, trip when Reed and I were filming a couple years ago. I think you trained almost yeah. exclusively with Murillo for, for most of that. I don't know why
1: he likes to roll with me so much because I'm actually like, the easiest round ever for him. <laughs> but... He just likes to fuck me up. He <laughs> He's likes a monster. to fuck me up, and Dude, it's it's awful.
3: The first time I went there was like four years ago. Uh, I went there to take some photos of Devante for Flo because I was an old friend of Devante. Me and Devante like used to share hotel rooms together when we were blue belts and stuff. And uh, that's cool. I went there and I like I I remember Devante was so much better than me. Like we would do like rolls where like if you got tapped, you had to get out. And like Devante would just like always kill me. He was like. So much better than me, and I watched him roll with Marillo for the first time when he was like a pro ball, and it just looked like he was being tortured. I was like, "Holy shit, like <laughs> this is this is just next level." Like,
1: how's this guy doing? It's this actually a... awful. <laughs> how, how, the the how... tactics he'd apply as well, the unnecessary tactics, <laughs> the, the, the forearms the to the nose, <laughs> the hand the hand over the mouth. Oh,
3: he does sometimes the Wagnerosha. Sometimes he'd
1: hold your eyelids open. No. Uh, this is like <laughs> some big he brother stuff. <laughs> that
3: actually is torture. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but this, he, did, he does this shit. He used to do this shit to me. He used to have me in an armbar and just do this. Oh, and then man. just start laughing. <laughs> like, you sick, sick fuck.
3: It's some big brother stuff he's doing to you guys. So, but I mean, Marillo's passing is legendary. Like, especially when you talk to people he competed against and like, Nobody wants to be playing guard against Murillo. That has to really help you out when you're going out there and you have lightweight trying to pass your guard, right?
1: It's actually insane how good his passing is because, like, yeah, no disrespect to any, any other um, any other competitor out there, but um, it just doesn't feel anywhere near as, as daunting or tough as having Murillo passing your guard like no one i've no one i've competed against there are like there are people that are very good at passing but no one feels like that no one feels like that that with that type of pressure that he can that he can put on you you know so it definitely gives you like a a big amount of confidence you know but when you're going into the competition
2: unity is such an interesting gym because it's not a giant association you know with a lot of people to pull from it's a really relatively small group of people that work really hard but you have a lot of successful guys at the highest levels what's going on in that room that people are doing differently from the outside i feel like you've truly embraced that that grind mentality you were talking about earlier like i mean it's it's a war zone in there but uh what else is happening if if anything
1: so yeah i think it's like a few things coming together That like obviously um one of them's the effort everyone puts in that's obviously a giant thing um, and then there's also uh, Marillo's guidance there because um, he he is an amazing coach and his his mind for jujitsu and is just incredible and his 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 ability to explain technique is, is is also is also really good and then his ability to be able to um, uh, be a good coach in terms of like knowing his his his, his students and like how much he thinks each individual should be training. And because sometimes you can't just bang your head against the wall and like, you know, expect the wall to break, you know. Sometimes you have to bang your head like in the right, <laughs> in the right places kind of thing, if you know what I mean, you know. So he understands that you can't just, you can't just, you can't just, um, grind like and, and not be smart about it. Um, and then there's also like the fact that, um, everyone's like kind of close and we all kind of help each other to get better as well.
2: There's, yeah, there's, I noticed... There's a, lot of,
1: there's a lot of things.
2: I noticed that we Spider... Have, we have good friendships. I think. Uh, so, sorry, Leo, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, no,
1: no. What were you going to say?
2: I was saying I noticed that Spider Marilla was very in tune with... Uh, just your preparation, not just before, but during that tournament. He was right there alongside you. He even said, like, hey, guys, don't come over and interview right now. Like, he's getting in the zone. Like, he was very, very hands-on as far as keeping you mentally in tune. How important is that for you?
1: Yeah, it's everything because you, you don't really have to – um, like, you can, entrust, you can entrust everything to him at that point, you know, like – all you have to do is is, is follow it's kinda of follow instructions and, and and it will be okay, you know? But um yeah, it's 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 really helpful, you know, to have somebody there with you and like somebody with with uh with that much experience and, and guidance and kinda of, like can can tell you the, the, the right actions to take, you know, from experience. So it's 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 incredible. S- right. Super grateful.
3: Did you know that uh I figured you knew about this. Reed just messaged me and, uh, said to tell you about it. Do you know that they're making like a little documentary about your first year at Black Belt here at Flow?
1: Yeah. I I just saw that the other day. It looks so cool. Oh, That's really right. Cause Nikki, cause Nikki
3: tagged you in it. That's right.
1: Yeah. 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 It
2: looks so sick. Yeah. That's it's going to no be idea. dope, dude. It's going to be really cool. It's, um,
3: it's going to be about your first season or whatever. So, uh, what, uh, how did you feel about your first year at Black Belt looking back on it? We're gonna rewatch some of your matches. I, I pulled like the Lepre match, the Henata match, your your spider final, but how how did you feel? It was an up and down year looking back on it. How do you feel about it now after you've had all this time?
1: Um now I'm just I'm just really grateful, you know. Um uh I think it was a really great first year to be honest. Like I bait I beat like legends in the sport. Like a lot of legends, like a lot of world champs, um, and I, I learned a lot. I got a lot better. I'm really grateful. Like, yeah, I'm excited to win that that world title. But I'm looking back now, having learned what I've learned, I'm 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 really grateful everything's happened how how it happened. And uh, so, yeah.
3: So the first match I pulled, Kyle, if you want to get that ready, is uh. Lucas Lepre from uh, Euros. We're just gonna watch the whole thing. This was a a big upset, basically, in everybody's eyes. This was, you know, the returning world champion. He went on to win worlds later that year. You were a new black belt.
1: Uh,
3: how did you feel going into yeah. this thing? You can go ahead and start it, Kyle.
0: Um, so I was just feeling like I was feeling I was feeling confident, you know. Um,
1: I'd been been preparing a lot mentally for this moment for like a long time, you know it felt like i've been preparing for this like continuously for for like the last 8 years so um i just felt really ready and and uh i felt like like i could like i could do it
3: right so you went right after the barren bolo right off the bat huh
1: yeah look i hate watching this now because Like, I'm so close to the back take if I just changed a few, like a couple of things that you can't, like. This is only next time, isn't there?
3: Do you think you you should have kept chasing the back take instead of coming up for two?
1: No, so um, what I actually did wrong there is if you can see with my left hand, I am um, controlling uh, the near side hit. If I was controlling his far side hit, which I which I do now I, I don't grab that near side hip anymore I, I always control the far side hip um they can't turn their hips across like that, so you reach behind the back um, to to grab that far side hip is that the idea yeah, so like it's it's like at the drawstring, but instead of grabbing like on the, the the near side drawstring, I'll grab like the far side drawstring and then they can't rotate their hips back in towards you Nice. and then my right hand will go to the back of the collar
3: did uh did you see, uh, before this, had you seen when A.J. Sousa had Baron Bowled him at the podium? Had you seen that match? Of course. Yeah, it was an epic one. Did that make you think like, hey, Lepre seems flawless usually, but he's susceptible to this. Like, my best move works against
1: him. Yeah, I actually found saw he was very susceptible to it um, when I watched him vs. Espen the, last, the previous year at Worlds.
3: Yeah, that one too.
1: Um, that's when I knew I was going to hit that entry. Because, um that that stomp is like what I'm really good at, you know, and he 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 gives that a bit, but this match here like i was i was I was being very uh careful like with my with my reserves and my gas tank because um I didn't really have all that much because I kind of tried to um uh self sabotage as i as I sometimes do which is actually a funny story. I um like the day before the tournament I was like overweight and I thought there was no way I could make it. So I just like got really sad and I went and brought a bunch of croissants <laughs> 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 and I drank and I drank like th- three glasses of wine. <laughs> and then you made weight. And, um,
2: <laughs> that that's the key.
1: <laughs> and and then I woke up the next day and I was just like I messaged my mom and I was like mom I just I can't be fucked like (laughs) she was like are you fucking serious you can't be fucked like what and I was like yeah I just I don't know I just can't be fucked I just you know I'm just not gonna go and she's like Levi get the fuck up (laughs) and I was like yeah okay you're right I just got up and I just went to autopilot mode I got there and I just started working out like crazy to make the way like I was doing spins like just working out like insane to lose this weight. I had about an hour and I couldn't make the weight. No matter what I did, I just could not make it. And they're calling me. I was 15 minutes late for my first fight. Oh,
3: man. They're
1: saying they're about to DQ me. And I go on the test scale and I'm 0.1 over. I was 76.1. And I was like, fuck. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. They're just going to DQ me. Fuck it. And I stand on the other scale and it was 0.1 less, the official scale.
2: Oh my God. And I was God. just
1: like, and they're just oh, like, yeah. oh, "Okay, you're fighting," and I was like, "Oh, that's cool. I haven't had water in two days." <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's insane. You must have been so relieved, but also almost annoyed in some ways. Like, damn it! Like, damn it I have to actually do this now.
3: <laughs> yeah, you would have made it a lot easier if you I mean, didn't have a bunch of croissants and wine the night before.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was just, it was just actually, it was just actually ridiculous. And um, I'm an idiot, but.
2: Who was your oh, first match that day? I forget. I, I definitely filmed a lot of them and you, you had a very successful run, obviously. It was uh Kevin Kevin Meshesha.
3: He's very good. I can't remember which one had your brother. I've seen one of them beat Gianni before. They're very good.
1: Very technical. Yeah, it was, it was tough uh and then Pedro Homaglia, yep. was also Yeah. He made the finals he's, this he's year. In middle. Yeah. Um and then Gianni Grippo, who's obviously who's obviously amazing. But That's after right. honestly, after the first I only felt kinda of bad the first fight. After that, I felt, I felt, I felt good.
3: Going after the bolo here again. Uh, yes. Yeah, shout out to mom because, uh, what did you tell her? You can't be fucked. Is that what you said? I don't even know what that means. It's like an Australian I was, thing.
1: I was like, I semi, semi. We say CBF. Yeah. yeah. Which means can't be fucked. So I was like, I semi CBF. I think it means I like, um, can't be bothered. Yeah, I, I, I believe. So shout out to mom. Imagine <laughs> yeah. if,
3: mom, if mom didn't tell you to, you know, put the croissant and wine like, away. She did
1: like she told me to lie down and she would do like a, sh- a sham healing on me? All right. So I lied down. She did a shaman healing on me, and I felt better.
3: Then you went out and beat Lucas Lepre because she got you to go make weight, basically. So did you? Yeah, think, she, mom's I dude, brought in my spirit animal, and it
1: was always. it was done. I wasn't losing.
3: You you came out of here uh, attacking right off the bat, which I think is super super uh, key for this victory because you can't just settle in and let Lucas Leprey get what he wants, right? You came out and you didn't you didn't show him the respect that most people would give a five time or whatever world champion he was at this point. You you went for the kill right away
1: yeah like like um i really was was actually ready for this moment like although that there was some there was some self-sabotage involved i trained i trained really hard you know and like i'd been working for this fight in particular for a while so i knew that was going to be an entry i was going to hit already you know i knew there was going to be an opening there and um i i just thought i'd i just go for it right off the bat and uh I was actually surprised how it like how it how easy I got it though at, at first um they did it he did a really nice recovery where he spun his hips through that was really nice it was it was very interesting experience competing against him because um because there's not many other people like that that play with this kind of style like that he has in terms of passing I think it's 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 kind of similar to my game like where where you don't actually uh like you wait for the opponent to make the the trans, like make a transition and then you catch them in between like as they're making it instead of actually uh forcing them to 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 make it forcing them to make a transition you wait for them. So this this position here was like a perfect example of that because we are both trying to do the same thing in terms of that like we're both waiting for them to to change a grip so we can so we can catch them in the middle of that transition and then progress from there and then in this position we end up staying with these exact same grips because we're both waiting for that exact opportunity he he's specifically i know like he's got two different um passing options if i let go of each one of these grips you know and he's he goes for them like with perfect timing so as soon as you let go of the sleeve grip he's got an option or as soon as you let go of the lapel grip to transition he's also got another nice option you know and i'm aware of those two options so he, that's why in this position here we stay here for a long time
3: he he always uses that that right hand in the collar grip the exact one he has right now what does it feel like he's uh doing is he controlling your body a lot with that what 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 does it feel like that he's doing with that grip because that's a classic lepre position that he's always using yeah so
1: he's he's just trying to to, to su- try to open that elbow and try to like get rid of that lasso. You know, because if once that lasso comes out, then he's got the opportunity for the he's he's thinking about potentially cutting across um towards my left through a knee cut. Um if I let go of the sleeve, he's got the, the bullfighters, obviously. Um So he's just waiting. That's what he's doing right now. He's waiting for me to make one of these grip transitions. So he can so he can um so he can go straight ahead with his with his pass, and there I go for it, but I get to the the leg straight away.
3: Yeah, and then you're going to a guard. Like I was talking to Mikey the other day, Mikey was saying he thinks that uh, two two sleeves is that could be the best against Leprey, But I mean, you're being offensive. You're going right to De La Hiva, which for a knee slider like him, you think you would like, but you're going to the guard you want too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Lepre's good when when he steps over your foot. Um. So my goal is not to let him step over my foot for a lot of this match.
3: You're so good at that stop and then and then inverting right away.
1: Yeah, I love that one.
3: How would you describe your barambolo compared to other people's style of barambolo?
1: Um I think I think the main difference with mine is I, I prefer to get tight at the beginning of the transition as as opposed to the end. Um so I, I like to like before I before I do any roll through, like I won't roll through and go to the finish like if I'm not like attached at the beginning. So like if there's too much distance I won't uh I won't roll through. So here I'm just trying to close some distance and like get my stomach kind of attached to his hips so I can progress the roll through and end a bit like tighter and further up further up the back. So
3: at this point it's all tied up. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, you got to be thinking like, man, I can't go to a ref's decision with Lucas Leppery. There's no way they're going to give this to me, right?
1: Yeah. um, To be honest, I was thinking at this moment, I'm thinking, yeah, just like attack as much as possible.
2: Was Paulo there that year? I remember, or maybe both, both Meows were there, but I remember one of them specifically in your corner going crazy, like you almost were so close yeah. to the back and they were losing their mind it was it was kind of fun to watch this on the sides there for me <laughs> yeah that was
1: that was uh that was Joao okay yeah, yeah that was such an epic moment yeah Paula was just about to fight so he couldn't really um coach that's right that's right but Paula was uh Joao was just there like screaming like crazy and it was it was such a it was such a magical moment to have him to have like for for everything to come together like that
3: yeah, the meows—they uh, turn up for Levi. That's, that's how I originally found out that Paulo uh, was speaking English now. Because all of a sudden, I saw him coaching you in English at Abu Dhabi, and he was up there yelling from the crowd. I was like, "What the hell?" I was yeah. everybody. everybody I talked to was like, "Wait, Paulo Meow speaks English now?" I was like, "Yeah, he's up there. He's, he's yelling instructions to Levi in English."
1: Yeah, he's had to, he's had good English for a while, you know. Yeah, you know, he just
3: kept a secret for a little while. Here you go, yeah, still go- at, at the buzzer, still going after the Barambolo. So, what are you thinking right now? It's tied up. You're going. You're going to the ref's decision. Were you nervous at this moment, or you don't look like it? But,
1: um, just trying to sell it. To be <laughs> I, it looked good.
2: Yeah. Natural. Just nice. selling it.
1: <laughs> selling that shit.
3: So, what kind of emotions did you have afterwards? Obviously, we know the result. You you win this ref's decision. What kind of emotions did you have out there in Portugal that you had just beat Lucas Lepre, Uh probably the best of all time in your division?
1: Um, just, yeah, just like extreme, extreme gratitude, you know, just for everything, like how, how lucky I am for everything to come together for all the people that have like helped me, um, get to, get to where I was and yeah, just thinking, just thinking of, just thinking of, uh, the journey so far, everything that's, that's, that's happened to get me to, to, to where I was at the time and, you know, just thinking, just thinking a lot of a lot of gratitude for a lot of people that that, um, that helped me. That's usually usually what's going through my mind every time you know you get you get one of those big wins is you just think about um you think about all the people that, that helped you along the way and and um it's a good feeling. It's an it's an amazing feeling to be able to to be able to um show something for for your hard work and and for all the other people that, that, that helped you too.
3: For sure. Do you have some more uh, croissants and glasses of wine after you got done with that? Or- I d-
1: I did. I'm um, actually I actually hate alcohols. Like to be honest, I don't know why.
3: They have good wine out I was, there in Portugal.
1: They have yeah, I, their wines amazing. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was just eating like, like a crazy amount of food and exploring Portugal with with my friends. It was it was a great it was a great night.
3: Oh yeah. So the next. Uh, a couple months later uh, in that year, you went, you won PANS too. So I pulled the final yeah. there. You had a great run here. This was actually, we watched this on Saturday Match Rewind like a month ago and Mikey and Tommy were both saying this is their favorite back take of yours. So if you want to pull up this Hanato-Canudo match from the PANS final, this is a good one.
1: Yeah, this was, I think this was my favorite fight of the year.
2: Really? Why Why so? Yeah.
1: Um. Because I just had such a Um, I just felt like I really overcame like a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of shit this event, you know, like, I mean just any, any kind of big event, but like, you know, I was having, I was just like, I was just like nervous and then I, I just, I went out there and I just, I stayed like really strong and, um, yeah, being able to do that made me, made me really happy
2: there were a lot of, you can call them haters I guess, after that Lepre win they thought, "Oh, Lepre was tired from the absolute it was a decision, and people were kind of bagging on you, was that Absolutely. weighing on you, heading into the pants like, I gotta I got to make this yeah, happen Lu- again
3: Lucas was even saying, when he was on here recently that he hurt his knee against Kinda. yeah, a lot of people a lot of people didn't believe in you after that uh, that Lepre match, for sure
1: yeah I mean, like, to be honest the that doesn't really matter to me, because like been hearing the same thing, like since I first, since I first started, you know, like since I was, since I was a, a white belt leaving school at, at fifteen, like just to do jiu jitsu all day. People are saying like, "What the fuck? This is just stupid," you know. So, um, <laughs> luckily, like the training throughout my my uh, childhood and stuff helped me um, not have to give a fuck about what other people say, you know. But unless, it, unless I know them, like they're people I care about, you know. If it's like my friends, um, like my good, close people I'm very close to, um, saying something, then I'll I'll, I'll take it to consideration. I'll take it. I'll take it to heart. But um, people I don't really know, I, I I couldn't give the tiniest fuck about what they say. I,
3: I, I think what we're getting at though is like did winning pans after winning Euros did this feel like vindication? Like that wasn't a fluke. Like I really am the best lightweight in the world right now
1: for sure for sure like at the end that's i think that's why yeah that's why because like the doubts they still they still they still have some effect on you you know what i mean you can't you can't like shut them out completely they still have some they still get to you at some some level even if it's like subconscious you know so so um it was just it was it's it, it was an amazing feeling to be able to, to be able to overcome that uh, you I love this fight.
3: Yeah, you're really good at timing your guard pulls. It was impressive in the beginning of this one cuz you see people have such trouble pulling guard on Hanato Kanuto. He's a he's a, a difficult guy to get that pull on it seems like, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so before everything, that's that was that was another thing I love so much about this fight is like everything that me and Rulo planned worked perfectly in this fight, like cuz pretty much the whole camp I trained specifically, I trained for Hanato for Kanuto. Really? Yeah, because I, I thought um I just could tell that that was going to be the toughest match, uh. So so like the specific things I I, I worked on was um the having a good pull for him, and then being able to tie him up early because he he works best like from his passing. Everybody knows that that Kanuto is best from like uninitiated positions, right? Like when he doesn't have grips. It's like the when you don't of the have first. grips. Um, so, this match was all about good guard pulls and getting into positions where he can't—he can't, he can't uh, work from the uninitiated, and then and then progressing from there.
3: I think we're getting pretty close to the back
1: take, right? Yeah, it was right here, I believe. Right here.
3: Did it originate from fifty-fifty?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Sure. So, so, what are you looking for? Talk, talk us through this real quick. You can see you hunting for that daily heave hook a little bit. Yeah, now I'm just le- looking for the
1: deep hook to go for the for the for the for the back. I feel like that's that's there. I've got the sleeve with my other hand. Um, there, I control his far leg. For usually, I control the far leg for longer. But he sat down straight away.
3: And this then is now beautiful. I'm
1: just trying to stay tight. Once I get here, I'm just thinking like just stay tight. Right really there. I love that. One. I, I really like that position a lot. where you hop with the the feet behind the knees.
3: Kyle, can we go back like 10 seconds? So right before they Renato stood up. I don't
1: want to give you that position, man. Yeah, <laughs> a tough he's a
3: tough, <laughs> guy to scram- he's a tough guy to scramble with. I mean, when you, right when you get here, he's going to be a tough guy to contain. the Way you jump and kick out the legs and, and then do like a backward somersault. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it just worked out so so well.
3: When you, oh, you got both the hooks there already.
1: He's so amazing.
3: Do they restart you on the back?
1: No, they they restart us standing. Well, my friends start billing, so they, they give, give me an advantage. Some shit. Two points, I think. No, they give him a penalty.
3: You got a penalty for that. They gave him yeah, a he penalty.
1: Gets a, yeah, he gets a penalty.
3: There you go, Angino. Standing up with the penalty. <clears throat> oh, I didn't I never realized that you didn't get back take points out of that. I didn't remember that.
1: Yeah, I didn't get him. That's kind of a gift But yeah, Kanato Hina- um <laughs> was also someone like someone I looked up to because his jutsu is just so fun to watch, you know.
3: Yeah, it's different.
1: His uh his brown belt world's highlight was like the sickest thing ever you just flying armbarred every single person
3: <laughs> that's why you gotta be careful right here right like the, the pull is a game um, in um, itself yeah, all against... I'm
1: thinking about is like getting like flying armbarred or like flying triangle at any moment yeah but that... like all timing the take like this is this is the trickiest part because he could he could get this two back you know
3: yeah absolutely
1: so Marilla's just telling me to like stay focused um I think that's he's just repeatedly saying say stay focused.
2: Are you looking for something in I'm particular? It, some, some kind of footwork from him or what are you trying to get? I'm just I'm I'm just trying to uh like bait
1: his reaction so I can so I can uh so I can so I can time the pull off that, you know. Just trying to time it.
3: Yeah, people don't understand. He's
1: trying to, he's trying to do the same thing.
3: People don't understand that at a situation like that, look at that beautiful didn't give up a double pull didn't give up a two. People don't understand like how tricky that can be like when you're against a, a top lightweight in the world like how quick this guy is how good he's going to be at you know intercepting your guard pull. It's it's a it's a whole game in itself, right?
1: Yeah, the guard garble, pull the is tricky. It's 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 a, it's a hard game. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of strategy involved in that in that um in that part of it that that kind of gets overlooked, you know. But it's. It's um, it's a tricky, it's a tricky part of the game.
3: How do you feel now? Up two, and you got the guard pole. This is a great situation for you, huh?
1: Yeah, I'm just um, I'm just thinking about retaining the guard, trying to see if there's any opportunities to attack, and I'll take them. Um, and yeah, bones, bones is out there going crazy. <laughs> you can hear, hear all my mates going crazy. Marilla's just shouting instructions at me just trying to stay focused
3: so do you prefer the collar sleeve uh with the left hand in the collar like how you're doing it and right hand in the sleeve
1: uh i play both yeah i play both i do different things off, off each side but um but i play i play both
3: so but tactically right now if you get the guard pull up too it's, a, it's just a tremendous situation for you because you have to basically either get your guard passed or get submitted to lose this match now at this point which i'm sure you're pretty confident in your
1: guard yeah, but you never know. Yes, yeah, so I'm just I'm just trying to like progress. Honestly, I want to control the legs on on Kanuto. Honestly, because of um, just because of the way he moves. Um, here I'm just just kind of chilling, looking for him to kind of like overstep in so I can invert and and, and grab a leg potentially. Um, stay in good position. Um. Probably shouldn't have let him engage, but the thing is, the problem with Kanuto is you can't sit up, so like you have to stay on your back there. Usually, I'd come up and make grips and then pull in, but it's but just you too start dangerous reaching to them. for it. You'll yeah. get flying on, bud. yeah, it's gotta be tense,
3: right? Because it's a little bit. It's this is almost the the opposite of a, a lepre match, right? Like where you, it's a little unpredictable. Like you said, he's he's gonna uh, do best from when you're not uh, in contact with him. Whereas lepre is gonna make a grip and slowly try and you know plow his way through yeah
1: right yeah that was that was the scary thing about about uh canuto is is the fact that he's just so unpredictable
3: all right we can go ahead and cut this one so how did okay so now you had one pan before we get to spider i want to talk about the world's double dq how do you feel looking you've had a lot of time to to think about it now how do you feel looking back on it now does it does it hurt thinking about it or are you just like moved on?
1: Yeah. Totally moved totally moved on. Um
0: like it felt what did I feel like. I guess um at the time I was like
1: pretty pretty upset, but in retrospect it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of worlds and it's, it was just like my first world, so
3: do you think there's anything you could have done differently? Or that if you could go back you would have done differently? Because I remember the the double DQ, a lot of people think it was all from double pull, but you were pa- you were on top passing at the end, right? Were yeah. right, you?
1: Yeah, I got the two for for, for the takedown. I timed the, the two the 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 takedown off his pull. Um but then he he was actually really strong. He had a good uh he had a good lapel game. And he put me in like a like a worm guard kind of variation, like an underhooked Eloheva with the lapel. And uh I was just trying to smash fast. I couldn't really move. There actually wasn't much I could do there. Um but you know, in retros- in retrospect, like like I wanna be more aggressive in my fights. I wanna put on I wanna put on like fights that are fun to watch as well. I don't just wanna win. You know, so um I'm working hard to 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 do that, you know, and that was a good that was a good kind of um a good kind of wake up call to start working on on being more aggressive. So that's just how I look at it. I look at it as something that that could um like to to learn from and absolutely and, and to absolutely. improve from.
3: from yeah, you never know like there's been times in my life where I lost a job or broke up with a girl and you think it's the worst thing ever. And then 10 years later, you look back, you're like, oh, thank God that happened. You know, it really, really made your life better. Yeah, uh,
1: exactly. Yeah. And then after that, same thing, I went back and I just started working harder again. And, you know, maybe if I didn't, if I didn't uh, lose Worlds, I wouldn't have had um, the preparation in order to win Spider, you know, so you never know.
3: So Spider, I I would ask you if you would be worried about uh, riding up, Three penalties again, but we saw your answer at Spider. We saw the <laughs>
2: <laughs> same old Levi. So I, uh, I, sk- I skipped. Uh, I think I was more nervous than Levi. I'm watching. This. I'm like, oh god, this could be like, what do you do with the prize money? Like, what, <laughs> what, what do we do? What happens next? That but, did that did come to my head for for a
1: split moment.
3: But uh, okay, but so I knew it was going to be fine. So I skipped after the gar- double guard pulls. This is like a few minutes into the match. Here's you and Mateus Gabriel. Something that's really remarkable about you uh, at this tournament is you beat two 2019 world champions in this bracket. You beat Gabriel Argus and Mateus Gabriel, which is pretty incredible. If, uh, yeah. I want to cue this up, Kyle. So here we are. We're a couple minutes into the match already.
2: Side note, this is the second time Levi and I have broken down this match, though so we were not quite as w- in a mental state as a today. <laughs> oh, my God. That was awful. <laughs> that was pretty rough was here awful. in Spider yeah. HQ. But uh, we're a, jumping right in now. That was the hottest day of my life. Wasting no time, and you almost have this right here. It's a pretty incredible sequence. Um, yeah, walk through it a little bit. Um, just, a, just a tiny bit loose with the
1: grips, but yeah, the entry was good. I trapped his knee line. I, I, I stayed connected, but um, no, there I lose it. But there I transitioned to the to the to the footlock.
2: And again, this was a. It gets a little bit tighter, not the second, but a bit later on. Now you can see on Mateus Gabriel's face; he was he was not in a comfortable position.
1: Yeah, well, I was like, I, I, st- I was cranking on it, like, like it was worth a hundred k. But he's so Mateus Gabriel, so tough, so good. They didn't expect him to to tap from it.
3: Yeah, he had just beat uh, Jonathan Alves in his semifinal, right?
1: Yeah. What a year. What a year he had as well.
3: Yeah, won by submission. First the World year Final. of
1: black belt. World champion.
3: Right. There were some really good first year black belts. Yeah. Oh, good. Actually,
1: I've, I've been fighting against him since I was purple belt as well. Thanks, bro.
3: Did you fight him in absolutes or was he heavier back then? I remember purple belt.
1: You I fought him in, in absolute. Okay. Nighttime.
3: Um, how do you guys do against each other at purple?
1: So I, I, I won the one time we fought, but we only fought one time. There it is. You can see the, foot. Foot. You you can see his, see the foot's ring. very tight right yeah, there.
2: Right there. looks good. You shake. Yeah. That's bed. where I had it
1: on the, on the, the foot on the hip.
2: Do You finish these often in training. I feel like I don't see it too much in, in competition. You, you selling oh, out on these, man. but. Is this that, that works for you well? Uh, otherwise, yeah, yeah. I've only finished like a couple times in competition, um, and then
1: I, I usually, I, I, if I if I do it in training, I don't really like to crank it too hard, because I feel bad. But I I work on the position a lot, you know. I love that footlock gotten, lock position. I've gotten better at it recently.
3: This footlock position where you're grabbing your own collar and you have both feet on the inside, I, I love that. It's a devastating one.
1: It's it is it is really good. Um, actually, got some some uh, some details um, that improved it a lot um, from from Isaac Isaac Dordlinger. So
2: oh, I'm excited to
1: yeah train with Isaac and I got some I got some details that that made it made it a lot stronger. So I'm excited to try those out.
3: Now why Why do you think he rolled right there? Because He just gave you the winning two points pretty easily off that roll. Was it just pressure from the footlock or what do, you, what do you think
1: happened right there? Yeah, so I watched a lot of his matches um, before this competition, obviously, and he, he he does that like he's he's got a really nice Baron bowler from the top, um, which which he has like a lot of success with, but it requires him to trap your knee line, um, uh, with with both of his shins, like so he has to kind of get his shin across to where your hip is. Um, with your knee being trapped in between his legs if that makes any sense. And then he can roll through and, and, and you're in a bad position. He's he's almost on your back. So you um, expected so that to happen he, then. Yeah, so I could kind of I could I could feel he was about to go for that for that and I was waiting to like open my knee out. Um so he wouldn't be able to trap it and roll through.
2: Now this is and something that surprised forward. me uh that you mentioned back back in November was that I believe you, you noticed that by watching tape of him, right? I mean also seeing him competition, but yeah. that was something you studied in, and you know, saw on video. It's a very new school thing. Some guys don't do that, but you use it quite often, is that correct? Yeah, I I I um
1: I study I study the people I'm gonna come up against a lot. And I'll try to I'll try to like you know, just do the obvious things of of seeing what they have a high success rate with um staying away from that or being cautious of that and then seeing places where they they may have like some weaknesses.
3: All right, so what do you think right now? You just won I mean probably the biggest cash prize in jiu-jitsu history. What's going through your head?
1: Um I'm just trying to like not move until they raise my hand <laughs> because I they remember them talking about being able to like um recall their decisions. That's right. So there's like the moment I kind of <laughs> um, Realize I won and just, just, just heaps happy. I guess like that actual day for some reason, like I had a lot of, a lot of like doubts. Like just like wh- worst case scenario kept replaying itself in in my mind, and um, I kind of said to myself like, this if if I can win this, I'll be able to like prove to myself. And to like everybody else, that like just because you have like doubts doesn't mean you can't, you can't win or you can't be a champion. Like, there's a lot of, I think there's like a lot of people and like a a lot of, a lot of champs out there that are like, that are like, um, no, like I never have a doubt because like I'm the best ever. And why would I have a doubt? Because I'm the best. Like, I'll never lose because I doubting so fucking losers, you know? But really, like, it's something like everybody has, like everyone just comes across them. And, and that day I was feeling them, them, um, them more than ever. So the fact that I like overcame that to me, it was, was, um, was even more special than, than the hundred K in that moment. Yeah. Like, I mean, a week later, a week later, like I was, it was just all about the hundred K. That was, that was, <laughs> that was fun.
3: A couple of things there. I want to talk about the hundred K, but first, I mean, you had you had a tough road there. Uh, you, When you saw the bracket, I mean, you had the, the reigning middleweight world champion first round. You you did not have an yeah. easy route.
1: Yeah, all I could think about was, like, getting me barred. Like, for some reason, that that just kept replaying in my head, like, while I was in the warm-up area. I was like, what the fuck, Brain? Stop it. They just kept doing it. And um, I was like, fuck. And then when I won, I was like, oh, I can do this. But then... Even Mate- Mateus, uh, Mateus Lutz was a really hard fight for me because old teammate of yours. Uh, an old teammate of mine, but not only that, like when we used to train together, he used to fuck me up like really yeah. bad. <laughs> so like that was that was a, a while ago. Like it hadn't been since um two thousand and sixteen that we had trained when we were both bubble bolts, but you know, that still has some lingering effect, obviously. You know what I mean? To be Somebody that you're so used to, like, having fuck you up to, to have to come across them and also be in that weird kind of state where you're also teammates. You also have, like, a history of, like, friendship that was, was an uncomfortable experience, to say so, the least.
3: So you you won 100K. You, you spend any of that money in Korea? You have a good time out there? Buy anything cool? I can say a good I time just, was had I that just, evening. Absolutely. I just.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I just spent it on death. I Basically, murdered myself from the inside. All
3: right. It um, was awful. Money, money, well spent. It sounds like. I wanted to ask you before it was. You move it on. was. It was. You know what? I'm
1: happy that it that I did it because it was a. It was suitable for the situation. It was a. It was a. It was a hundred k after party. And, and it's not fun. It's it's actually awful, surprisingly. <laughs>
2: One of the cool things about be
1: a great time, but it's it's awful. Don't so recommend it.
2: <laughs> One of the great things about Spider as an organization is they really integrate like the athlete's schedule and it uh, everything is taken care of and coordinated. It really does feel like a pro event. And I wanted to ask you, Levi. You know, the dinner, the a- not not the after party, but before that, the the Korean barbecue dinner. I remember a moment where like. You're like, I'm gonna go talk to Leandro and the guys. You wander over there, and they're like, "Hey, Levi, come here, and I'll give you a big cheers." And like, I mean, you you cited Leandro as one of your heroes, like someone you looked looked up to be earlier in your career as a white belt and stuff. What was that like? I mean, how did you, that must have been one of the coolest feelings ever? Not just to win, but now you have someone like Leandro calling you over, you know, you know, just uh, just giving you some praise. Yeah, it's it's
1: it's it's incredible, man. Like. Like everything on this journey, to be honest, has been like there's been so many moments like that, you know. Like I can't even, I can't even name them. Like from like you know Leandro celebrating like a win with Leandro to like to like getting my black belt um, from Marillo to 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 beating Leprey to winning my first world. Like there's all these like there's all these incredible incredible moments that 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 um. That I've had, which like I'm super grateful for. But that, you know, to have your heroes around like that is is um is priceless. That's you know, priceless.
0: All right. So uh,
3: this is a good segue into our uh, question for our guests tomorrow. Our guest tomorrow is another guy who won it, Spider, a guy who you came up with, Purple Brown Belt at the same time, Kynan Duarte. So if you can think of a little something to ask Kynan when he comes on tomorrow
1: yeah um, I guess a good question would be, like how do you stay um how do you, how do you stay mentally fit to be able to compete so often like like um wait, sorry yeah kind of how do you stay um mentally fit to be able to compete uh so often and uh, does that what what are what are the effects that you feel from competing that often?
2: Nice. Yeah, he was, had a very active season last year.
3: His like first year and a half at BlackBody, he had like hundred matches or something crazy.
2: Yeah, it was in- it's insane.
3: How often do you like to compete?
1: I I like to compete like once every once a month to once every eight weeks. All right. When I was when I was a color belt, I used to compete like every weekend, every couple weeks. But um, now like I like to like I like to prepare specifically for each event. You know, depending on who's on who's gonna be in it. So I like it I like a tiny bit more time.
3: Uh have you given up no gi? At Purple Belt, you used to do a lot of no gi stuff. Like you said you won No gi pants. Uh are we gonna see you back doing no gi competitions, do you think?
0: Yeah.
1: So like I have I have I have goals for Nogi as well. You know, I wanna I wanna definitely win ADCC Um but for me right now I just have to keep focusing like all my attention on on the gi because like that, the personal goal of winning worlds is um is really important to me. Um, and then there's just also a lot of a lot of a lot of other Gi opportunities coming up for me. But after, like I've always said, after I after I get that world title in in the Gi, then I'll start focusing um my attention more on, on no Gi.
3: Awesome. Uh, maybe see you ADCC one day.
1: That's yeah, it's definitely a goal of mine to win ADCC
3: that's the big one right all right we only have a few minutes left you want to give a a message to the uh the fans out there people watching
1: yeah sure just um hope everybody's doing okay during this tough time and like they're able to to find um you know an outlet whether it's jujitsu or something else um and everybody's healthy and, and saying good and thank you so much for 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 tuning in to watch this if you did
2: Awesome, man. Thank Levi. you, thank
1: you to uh, to you guys as well for for keeping jiu jitsu on its feet during this during this time. Really grateful to you guys as well.
2: Thanks, brother. We're trying, we're trying to stay on our own feet out here, but it's been it's been really fun yeah, talking sure. to everybody. But uh, thank you so for much sure. for the time, man. Thank you for waking up at seven in the morning. I know that's that's not, <laughs> not your favorite thing to do. And uh, stay safe out there. Hopefully, you can start training again sometime soon.
3: Thanks, man. And then we got a good schedule coming up. We like we said, Kynan. We got Dorino after that. Next we got Natchiali. himar, 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 himar Natchielli, like we, uh, tonight on uh, King Ryan's show, Israel Adesanya, the style bender. So yeah, tune in for all that stuff. Thank you so much,
0: Levi. Take it easy. Later, man. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good one.